Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the dough, where Cash is queen and we hardly know her, but we're still here figuring her out together because y'all, season two is here. Hosted every week by me, X Maya. Remember me? I'm going to be talking to all types of people about their relationship to money. I'm talking to reality stars, entrepreneurs, financial experts, and even some of my own friends. Basically, anyone who will get real with me about their dollars, how they make money, how they spend it, and how they save it. Because I'm trying to retire early, people. Season two of The Dough is out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. Hi, everyone. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about another Lemonada podcast I think you're going to love. It's called Burnout, and Burnout is a new four-part series hosted by YouTube sensation and mental health advocate Connor Franta. What do people mean when they say they're burned out? You hear about burnout from your friends, and you felt it in your gut. There are books about it and breaking news headlines, but what exactly is this phenomenon that's making us miserable and wrecking our health? Burnout has recently become the internet's favorite buzzword and diagnosis for why we hate our jobs, but it has a long, complex history that's rooted in our culture and systems. Let's talk about the who, the what, where, when, and why of burnout and how we, as a culture, can work to combat it. Search for Burnout wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, your weekly dose of pop culture, celebrity missteps, and public apologies. And this week, I had to call a lot of customer service numbers and easily spent four to six hours on hold. And I'm Mohanad Al Sheikhi, and I'll say that I'm very glad that I do not work in customer service anymore. So that's great. And uh, my name is Oha Lopez, and this week I am. Soaking left and right. I am in water, fully just drenched, soaked, wet, up and down, rot through. And I'm just so happy. I'm in a pool. I hope that that was clear. I thought you were drowning at, at first. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I thought you needed help. I cannot hear the word soaking and think the same ever since I've gotten really into learning about Mormon culture from um, like just TikTok and stuff. Like there was that like LuLaRoe documentary and there was a lot of TikToks and people talked about how in Mormon colleges, there was this thing called soaking. Have you heard of it? No. What is it? It's basically, apparently it's a way that they maintain their, uh, what is it called? Their virtue um, by the member going into the lady parts and just sitting there. They call it soaking. And by not having like forward and backward motions, they're not there. They remain virtuous is my understanding. 
Got it. <laughs> One thing I'm sure the founder of Mormonism that never thought in his life would hear. I have learned so much about Mormonism from TikTok. Uh, yeah. I don't think that was, but also uh, that soaking thing. It's just like one of those things where like people like start like inventing like loopholes in their own like religion. And yeah, I'm just like, yeah. just, just do the thing. Who, who, are you, who do you think you're tricking? Like, like blonde haired, green eyed Mormon Jesus is not buying this. He's looking at this and he's no. like, just fuck. What is this? Just just do it. Just go for it. Yeah, or you could try lesbianism, which many people say is not sex. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you have many options. <laughs> so I just started watching Under the Banner of Heaven. It's Andrew Garfield's new TV show. Have you all seen this? And it is my no. first foray into, into Mormonism. Uh, I don't think I knew very much about it. But. Well, it's like, yeah, part of the, it's like the subsect, the LDS, right? Which is like a particular right. sect. And like, uh, just the fact that it was based on a true story, I was all into it. But I'll admit, like, it's a little slow for me. And I love me some true crime. I, I, I was having mm-hmm. trouble. I'm just uh, fascinated by Andrew Garfield's, guess what, American accent. Um, I was very much channeling Mahanad's um, accent. Let's call it a fetish. <laughs> um and I was just very delighted and surprised to hear him do his accent in American. Although I guess that's ninety percent of his movies, really. I'll say, I'll say this, you know, I'll, I'll just 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 talking about accents, okay? Mm-hmm. I think I think British people do a good American accent. When when Americans try to do a British accent, it's always a catastrophe. It's it's always the worst thing you'd ever hear in your life. It's all like oi governor kind of thing. Okay. Uh, and I think, you know, I think it's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. I think British people should do American accent, but with one condition is that they tell me they're British first. I don't like to be tricked. <laughs> well, I will say that in the um, Under the Banner show, I think a lot of them are Australian or British because you could, every once in a while, they slip up and they, a lot of them were fighting, fighting that accent. Has anybody ever, because uh, I kind of have an accent when I get drunk and when I get tired. And then I do say y'all a lot because I did live in Texas for 10 years. No, I mean, every time I will say I will agree with Mahana that Americans and they're British. Because when I start trying to speak British, it like starts sounding then Jamaican. Like, I don't know where the turn. Ha- it just all goes. It goes really wrong. I don't know what happens. I really desperately want to hear a little bit of it. <laughs> Like, because no, now that I'm on the spot, it's going to be like weird. How? I don't know. Like, it's like, oh, I, governor, uh, I don't, well, I don't even. (laughs) I can hear it. And also, why does it have to be old timey? I don't know. Immediately, I go old timey, too. I don't know why. I'll I'll say this. I feel like years ago, I used to have like a bit of like a British accent, and people thought I like, you know, that's where I grew up or something. But because mostly when I learned English when I was young, most of my teachers were from the UK. Uh, But then I've lived here for eight years. So that's kind of like, you know, you start to change. And now I'm just like, I just have a mixture of whatever this is. Uh, Yeah. And it's so funny because sometimes like I, you know, I get asked to like, you know, audition for like stuff. And they're like, obviously, you know, they're very specific to why they asked me to audition. And then they're like, okay, the character has an accent. And then I start talking like, like I do now, and they're like, not convincing. No, <laughs> you should have like a what an immigrant would sound like. I'm like, but I am one, and they're like, but you know what we mean. I'm like, no, I actually do not 
I, I have no idea what you mean, but it sounds a bit racist, but sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Are you watching Selling Sunset, the newest season? I have not started it yet. No. Oh, I'm okay. so sorry, Kiki. All I right, have well, not started either. When you start, just there is a new uh, black chick. She says she's from London. And I'm sorry. Like, I'm just not buying it. Like, I'm convinced that she has come onto this reality show and decided to create a persona. And I'm just waiting for someone to call her out one day because I have never heard a British accent like this in my entire life. Ever. You know what? I'll say this. I feel like so many Americans would travel on like these like uh, study abroad programs and stay there for like five months and decide that that is their whole personality. (laughs) And they're going to speak in that accent. I went to Paris for two weeks, eight years ago, and I can't stop bragging about it still. (laughs) People would talk in that accent. People would do it and be like, this is my whole thing now. Especially if they go to the UK and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to talk in... in, um, in a UK accent. And yes, that's like uh, Hilaria uh, Baldwin, or uh, yeah. I don't know how she likes to pronounce her name. Hilaria Baldwin. Exactly. She's Hilaria. like, yeah, I am fully, I'm, I'm from Spain. I'm like, you've been to Spain. That's different. <laughs> Very different. Do you think now that um, Hilaria has been called out? You know, she has named all of her kids like very Spanish names up to this Fabio, point. Pedro, and now she's Juan. pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Now that she's oh, been God. called out, do you think the new kid's going to get a Spanish name? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Absolutely. Well, part of part of that is her doubling down. You know what yeah. I mean? Not once was she like, you caught me. She she does not consider herself to be called out. She's just like, you're just like hateful monsters trying to take her culture away that she uh, adapted, like adapted into. And she's not doubling down. She's embracing her heritage, right. which is different. Right, right, right. You know, I always like, did y'all ever tell any big lies when y'all were growing up? Like, I'm, I'm just watching that show. I love that for you too. The one with, um. Uh, Molly Shannon and essentially the kind of whole thing of it is just telling like a big lie about yourself and so this woman essentially lies about having cancer Mm. like did you guys ever tell a lie that just like lasted a really long time (laughs) Um, yeah I don't think you're like no we're well adjusted adults (laughs) sorry no I'll, I'll say this I'll say you know what I and I'm not saying this, hey, I don't like because I am uh, morally superior or I think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I just, I, like, e- like, even if I tell the smallest lie, even at, like, like, very harmless, I'm always in fear of getting caught. And my whole life will just, like, revolve around this thing and just, like, like my life just, like, unravels in front of me. Even <laughs> though, even if I was lying, it means nothing. Yeah, but uh, didn't you tell your siblings that you were their dad? That is a real lie, right? But that's different, though, because I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. You know, like, it's not, like, I do not care. It's just like, uh, it's all, but also it's like a lie has, that has been told to achieve me some peace. And I did, because I'm, I'm like 11 years older than my youngest siblings, and they're twins. And, uh, you know. I like I, this end justifies the means. Exactly. And even though 11 years eleven years are not that much, but like when you're 21 and there are 10, that seems like a big difference. You know, they look mm-hmm. at you and they're totally. like, this man is very old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when I tell them that I, I, I am actually their dad and we're living with their grandparents, they would believe it. <laughs> yeah. They would run with it. Yeah, I get you. 
Um, I think I just I think my big lies were mainly as I was a teenager. I lied about my age a lot when I was a teenager. I was out there getting into um a lot of trouble telling like I was 15 and 16 years old, being like, I'm 22, I can do whatever I want. Um, and then I'd end up in some spicy, saucy situations that I definitely was not supposed to be in. <laughs> well, that's like, I feel like that's, well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's pretty normal. I definitely had a fake ID for 21 when I was 14. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. In Venezuela, you could just kind of drink whenever. We didn't have like a a strong age and aging system in Venezuela. It was more like if you had the money and your head came over the counter, they would just sell you liquor. It was a, a pretty big free for all. But <laughs> you, you know what? <laughs> That's so funny. You know, speaking of lies, though. Here, like, I'm. Have you have have, have any of you watched the uh, uh, the show The Americans? No. Yes. Okay, so but I know what it is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So for for those who don't know, it's it's, you know it's about this this family, like this couple from the Soviet Union. They move to the U.S. as very young people, and they get married, and they have like kids, and they're like you know normal American family back in the like. The show takes place in the seventies and eighties, before the collapse of the Soviet Union, and they work as spies. And watching it, I'm just like, I could never be a spy. Why? Because, first of all, you mean to tell me I pull all of these tricks on, like, these missions and, like, accomplish so much and no one gets to know? <laughs> I can't He's a tell anyone. Comedian, you would have to tell everyone. Got it. I can't tell anyone. Like, I would, like, mm-hmm. literally just, like, pull, like, the biggest stunt ever and then I just go home and, like, no one knows about it? Absolutely yeah. fucking not. Yeah. That is the same reason I could never be a serial killer. Like... You know, <laughs> that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, like imagine like you like you go on like twenty to thirty years without like getting caught or whatever, and then you're just like sit, sitting there and you're just like everyone is talking about how I'm I'm a fucking genius, and I cannot tell them it's me because that will just ruin everything. I bet that that's how real serial killers feel. Yeah, and that's why they just give themselves up. Exactly. That's why, like, eventually, like a lot of like. Because, like, you know, it's it's not because the police is so smart that they caught them. Like, these guys, like, eventually they just want to be caught. They're just like, I want the world to know that I am the mastermind behind this. <laughs> this sounds uh, like so just like, you know, at the end of those, like, crime movies where it's like they're about to kill the person that's going to take them out. But they have to, like, explain their whole dastardly plan <laughs> in detail. <laughs> That's who serial killers are. They can't get to the end of life. They have to, like, at yeah. some point get caught just so they can write a memoir and let the whole world know. Yeah. I do think that celebrities are kind of like serial killers in that way, too, because, like, they're they're kind of, like, living hidden lives in a lot of ways. They're, like, they have this, like, outward persona, a.k.a. the not murderous part. But then inside, they have these, like, weird secret lives where they're doing fucked up shit to each other, a.k.a. being a cannibal or, like, stuff like that. Um, But they're not necessarily allowed to bring it out because then it'll ruin all of the chances that they have to be in movies. And there's got to be something, like, pathologically wrong and something really damaging to the psyche to have to be like these two different people, one in public and, and kind of one in private. Well, that's why I'm like so shocked to hear all of these like allegations now against Fred Savage. I mean, Fred yeah. Savage was like, hello, the kid from Wonder Years. And now 
it's like he got fired from the new Wonder Years reboot, where I guess he was executive producer. And now other allegations from his time on the original Wonder Years are coming out. And then apparently there was something from some some show called The the Grinder or something like that that he mm-hmm. was on, where he settled some suit there. So I'm like, wait, is Fred Savage a savage? Like, is he a <laughs> Kiki, you did not. You did not. Is he, is he just Was not? I about to make a joke? I was about to make a joke about gri- the grinder being like <laughs> Fred Savage and another man just meeting in the thrills of night for sweet gay love. I hope that that's what that show was about, but it's probably not. Probably not. It's probably not. I was so surprised too. And his face, like, he doesn't have like a serial killer or like bad guy face. And those are the hardest one. He looks like a very sweet, nice man. Yeah. He still looks um, like a kid. He still looks like yes. little little Freddy yeah. Savage. I just I just think, and I said that yesterday when we were texting. I, I just think that if you uh were like a child actor, like you grew up in that like in the entertainment world, you're fucked up in the head. There's no yeah. way you're not because your whole world like view is just is just weird and 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 that guy has been famous for since like when forever. I mean, forever. He, you know, yeah. He's uh, yeah. I can't. I mean, did he? Was he a part of like an earlier? Was that on Disney or what show? What? No, Wonder Years was, was like on prime time, like ABC. Oh. Like it came on like. Eight o'clock at night, you sat down with your family. You all watched it together. It was wholesome family fun. Oh, you like, know what I'm confusing him with? With Boy Meets World. I thought Topanga. Oh, yeah. No, but that's his, bro- that's his brother. That's his little brother. So the whole no family. Wonder. It's another Culkin situation. There's savages. There's Culkins. <laughs> there's Culkins. Um, I definitely like wanted to be a child star because I've wanted desperate amounts of attention since I was, you know, four or five years old. But I do, I do think that I'm grateful that maybe that wasn't the chance that happened. Also, how do these children convince their parents to move one city to another? Like when they're very young, takes, I don't think it takes convincing. Those parents are living vicariously through their children. Exactly, and they want to yeah. do that. They're, they're, yeah, most of them are making their children do this. They just like I'm just like they don't want to get a. They don't want to get real jobs. They're just like they're like kids' <laughs> managers, basically, not parents. And you know that's that's their whole life. Like, I mean, I mean, what's who's Justin Bieber's mom if she's not you know his his manager since he was ten or something? Yeah, oh, my mom would be the worst in those environments. She would just say no to like crazy deals, and she'd be like, no. She, my mom. <laughs> My mom is, I don't know how else to describe her, but like once she gets something in her head, that's it. She's like a King Richard of Hispanic moms. She's like, (laughs) she's so single-minded in like how she wants to deal with things. I can just imagine her being such a nuisance to producers and probably good, probably in a good way. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. And of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Well, speaking of moms who want to force you to do things, uh, (laughs) you guys watched uh, uh, Everything Everywhere all at once. (sighs) Yes, I finally got to see it yesterday. I am like... Okay, so before we get into it, just if you haven't watched the movie, first of all, why? Why haven't you yes. watched it yet? Uh, we're going to talk about it. I mean, there are going to be spoilers, even though I'll say this. I do not know how to spoil this movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. True. It's it's literally everything everywhere all at once. Like l- literally everything happens. So if that's a spoiler, I don't know. It's everything happens. If you were able to take your dream and like Put it on paper and have it make sense. Because in your dreams, right, things seem to make so much sense. They seem so cool. But when you wake up, you're like, that's garbage. No, I feel like we were able to take this dream, make it a reality, but it's unexplainable. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't think there is a way to spoil this movie, really. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, it's, it's, it's a fantastic movie that I have watched three times. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've watched it twice now. I will watch it again. I will be up to par. Well, the people I went with, it was it was their second time, and like they and they they want to see it again too. And so it's because exactly. it is one of those movies a that you want to see multiple times because you're just catching things that you just didn't catch the first time. And also, I think as I watch it later, because I'm going to watch it multiple years from now, it will change what I'm tuned into. Because, like, what I was really clued into, like, in this go-around, I feel like if I'd watched it a year ago, it would have been way different what I've been clued into, which I thought was also interesting. Yeah. And honestly, like, I mean, outside of outside of everything, everywhere, all at once, and most of the cast in the movie is is Asian. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. about this Asian immigrant mom and her and her daughter who was born in the u.s and her husband and their lives and and i mean like the movie so much happens in the movie but it's at the end of the day it's it's about this mom's relationship with her daughter that's literally what it is and how it progresses and 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 everything but it's it's just fucking insane like truly like that like this the the acting the the stories the everything is just fucking phenomenal uh I honestly think this should be the last movie that contains a multiverse. I feel like that's just... Uh, <laughs> this is it, yeah. Like, you can't do it any better. <laughs> no, have you absolutely heard, not. Have you heard about Jamie Lee Curtis, who is like... I follow Jamie Lee Curtis on Instagram, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is going off on Doctor Strange 2 and igniting what I can only describe as a, as a multiverse movie feud, where she's going like fuck the competition. Everything everywhere is number one in America. We're the best multiverse in the universe. And she's just kind of like (laughs) 
going on her stories and just mad talking shit about Multiverse of Madness. I mean, and essentially, (laughs) essentially going like, there's not even a comparison. Thank you for copying our poster. Like, she is going off. Yeah. Well, she has every right to. (laughs) Absolutely. I just don't think that there is any universe in the multiverse where uh, Doctor Strange is better than everything everywhere all at once. It's just, <laughs> There's no. no way. There's no yeah. universe. Do you think there are like other versions of you in the multi-universe? What do you think they're doing right now? Oh, okay. <sighs> I mean, there's definitely one that uh, kept being active and uh, didn't start Smoky Pot and <laughs> actually like, you know, probably like took their athletic career to a whole new heights because that was definitely a path I could have taken. Um, there's probably one that f- did follow their like childhood dream of wanting to be like an actress and, you know, stayed in, you know, in front of the television and, you know, did all of that. Um Every every universe, though, I still think I would be child-free by choice. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> That's the commonality. Um, I think that there's a universe where I'm a very, very taut green grape. And I am so juicy and cold. And I go from being grown on the vine all the way to becoming a raisin. And that is the scope of my life. Um, That's very specific. Yeah. I just love grapes, you guys. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and I hate to admit it out loud on a podcast that uh, millions of people listen to. Uh, I <laughs> hate grapes. What? I hate grapes so much. I love grape juice. That is just odd. I hate grapes. Like, I've never the, heard like of the, this. Like a round grape, just like to eat like this. Jesus. And you've tried it? Like, you've tried to freeze them? You've tried them in all forms? I, 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 I've literally tried tried everything. Like... It, I'd rather eat like raisins than eat grapes. What? What is it about them you don't like? Here's the thing: I like grape flavored things. I do not like the grape. No, that's as actually a famously form. bad. Yeah, that's what is so confusing. Like, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm built different like that. Please respect my culture. Uh, <laughs> I what? just, it's just something what about do you it. Not just, like. I just don't like that it's solid and then you 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 like squish it and it's just like so much juice comes out and it's just like like pick a struggle like what is this what who are you wow and is is maybe <laughs> maybe there is there is a you know Mohanad in another universe that just fucking loves grapes and I'd say that is the worst version of me. <laughs> oh, no. Truly, I have never met a person that doesn't like grapes. I've never, I've never met that. I've never known that to be a truth because to me, they're the crown jewels of the fruit. Yeah, I'm special. That mango. Well, maybe that's why I don't like them. The crown jewel thing does not, you know, (laughs) I mean, no comments. I'm not going to add to that, but. Yeah, new, you've never been one for monarchy. Something about, about yeah, something about crowns, not into it. (laughs) Even shows named the crown for no reason whatsoever. Not going to, not going to go into detail about that. Uh, But but speaking about everything, everyone all at once. Like the, I mean, I think yeah. we've talked about this a bit in in the past. But I mean, my family does not do apologies. Mm. Like my my dad would literally talk for an hour before he says he's just sorry. <laughs> will never admit to mistakes, and my mom was the same way as well. It's always like I'm sorry you felt this way, and it's not even like the words I'm sorry. It's just like 
did not know I uh, raised you like this to be upset at me. Now that you say, I just, I actually don't think I expect apologies from my family. Like, I think that if I mess up or if they, if we yell at each other, if something happens, like we're family and we just move on, I guess it's what in my head. And so it's not like, even though I would expect that if anyone else in my life with my family, I don't expect apologies. It's just not. Yeah. And I, I guess my thing is like, I agree with you. And like, it's, it's, I guess it's like less about apologies and more about like, even like acknowledging that you made a mistake or something was your fault or like maybe I wish I've done this better or something like, like anything that is just like even like resembles uh, that because like I'll give you an example like before I got into like stand-up comedy and writing and all of that I went to med school for for a few years and the only reason I went to med school is because my parents insisted that this is good for me it's it's gonna go great uh my uncle is a doctor and like they wanted me to be a doctor and convinced me that this has been my dream since I was a child. And I'm just like, I also wanted to be a cook when I was a child and I hate, so fucking hate cooking. You're essentially like a medical child actor and they're your exactly. mom and your parents. Okay. Got it. Exactly. And for years, like, like I spent maybe like four and a half years in med school and every year, literally every year, I'm just like, this is, this sucks so much. I hate it. I want to quit. <laughs> oh, no. And I tell them, like, I'm not, like, and I wasn't doing, like, I was doing so well back in school and, and everything. I was not doing well. Like, grades-wise and everything, it was so bad. I hated it so much. And they will just not let me uh, quit. And then one day, I just, like, quit my, by myself. I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to do this shit anymore. And they got mad and everything. And then uh, they got over it. And uh, and now that I'm like doing well, like career wise, and I'm happy with what I'm doing, they will not acknowledge that me going to med school was a mistake. <laughs> wow, I will say my mom is a pretty good apologizer, honestly, and so is my sister. And I think we do pretty pretty well. Um, I think it's maybe because me and my sister are so whiny and we talk a lot. And so we love to bring up things to our mom. Like, you know, like, remember that time you, like, married a guy, like, you know, a month after you divorced our dad. Like, and so she'll definitely, she'll be like, okay, I, okay, granted, you got me there. So there's some, like, overarching, like, fun things that we get to bring up that are pretty black and white in terms of, and she, and now we kind of laugh about some of that stuff, but I I do think we apologize as a family. Um, We also get in each other's business a lot, and we're constantly sort of, like, triangulating, so there's plenty of stuff to apologize for here in in our little, you know, core nucleus thing. It's so funny that you you get to you get to an age where you're like where you're like first of all you re- you realize your parents are just people yeah you're just like oh yeah you literally have no idea what the fuck you're doing and yeah. then you and then you get to a point you're like oh I think I know more than you do like I f- I feel like I should give you <laughs> advice yeah it shouldn't yeah. be the other way around like you you do not have handle on these things and it's so funny because like even like when my mom is just like she still tries to do this sometimes you're like you have no idea what you're talking about. And you're like young and like stuff like that. I'm just like, you were six years younger than I am now when you had yeah. me. 
That's so bizarre. Those yeah. thoughts are so bizarre to me. Yes. Exactly. So you cannot tell me that I had no idea what I'm doing. Because I remember when I was six years old, it, you seemed like you had a handle on things. Even though now I realize you did not. You were just yeah. improvising. Yeah. <laughs> You're just doing improv. Yeah, just improving. But that is something that I've talked to my parents about all the time is like, they were just kind of going through the rat race. Like they were just doing the next thing that they thought that they were supposed to do Absolutely, with like no tools, no therapy, no, they were raw dogging life with children as essentially teenagers immigrating. I can't even imagine yeah. how that family drama pretty quickly turns into like a very strange like its own little universe too, and everybody kind of has Absolutely. their versions of it. Especially like if you're like the oldest child, where like oh, you know, God. like a trial and error. Like I, like I was the iPhone one of kids. You know, they're like it does not respond to touch well. Uh, but <laughs> I will, we'll work on the features. We'll work on the, uh, you know, and by you know by the time they they get to the last one, they're like, okay, yes. We kind of nailed it. Optimized software. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing that I really love about the, like, um, the everything everywhere all at once, that it talks about that family drama and then it, like, humanizes the mom and it kind of humanizes, like, her misery in some ways. Like, Absolutely. it's almost like she, the beginning of the movie, it's, we realize that she's sort of, like, choosing to be unhappy in many ways because at the end of the movie all the ingredients are the same the people are the same her daughter's there her husband's there the laundromat is there but it is something about like her choice in her approach to her own life that i love about that and it reminds me that i probably already have everything that i need all that bullshit you know trauma and family stuff included um i just came out of that movie feeling like you can make anything, not just like creatively inspired by like the work of it. I just felt like I just felt like it was the best movie ever. Maybe is it my favorite movie of all time? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to win every single award. And I hope know, so. Like, I definitely, yeah, if I had a movie, I would just be like, let me just hold off. I'll just yeah. submit. We'll just hold off on submitting till next year. And um, it's also so funny as well. Like, the Ratatouille thing is so stupid. No, it's so, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> That's the other thing. It just reminds me that, like, that, like, they're fighting all of these, like, heavy ass things with just being fucking goofy and silly and exactly. having a good time. And I love that. And never thought in my life a a dialogue between two rocks would make me very emotional. We, yeah, <laughs> we, crying. I was crying. Exactly. And it was like a motivational in a weird way because it was just like, yeah. like, yeah, we're small and stupid and that's our whole thing. And I'm just like, yeah, we are small and stupid mm -hmm. and that's our whole thing. Literally, just like nothing. It's like, it's, it, it's kind of like, I mean, obviously, the message is like whatever you want to take from it, but it's like it made nothing matters into a positive thing. It did. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. All I know is um, when I eventually get audited, I hope that when I punch my auditor that <laughs> it turns out the way it does for uh, Jamie and Evelyn. <laughs> Character. You become best friends with your yes. auditor. Yes, and they let or me go. Or lesbians with your auditor. Yeah, either way, as long as I get out of this audit. Do 
you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're just going to move on to uh, my favorite segment that we do every uh, episode of mm-hmm. this podcast, which is, uh, as you know it, Sorry Not Sorry, where we either demand an apology or we apologize to someone. And like every week, I'm going to start with Oha. What's happening? I need to apologize to my partner, Rachel. Rachel, this is for you directly. I'm sorry. Um, I do realize that I've been taking about three-fourths of our entire king-size bed up. I have what I counted now as 13 full-size pillows, of which seven of them are king-size pillows. And I have a pillow essentially for every extremity in every part of my body. 13 Um, pillows? Yeah. Yeah, How is that possible? It's pathological. There's something wrong with me. Um, I'm sorry. And then the other day, she walked into the bed, and I had taken her two small pillows while I was half asleep because (laughs) I felt I still needed more. Um, You needed 15 pillows. I needed 15 full-size pillows. And she woke me up, and she said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Give me my pillows back. Um, And I did. I woke up and gave them back to her. I just don't even know where you put all these pillows while you're sleeping. Just under my body in different <laughs> crevices and nooks. Every day I learn something new from you. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Well, Kiki, what's what's going on with you this week? Well, um, Oha might have to dole out the apologies because this week I think Oha owes <gasps> me an apology. What did I do? <laughs> well, you know, Oha was in town. She was in L.A., and, um, you know, which I love. <laughs> exactly. I love, I love Oha. I love being able to see her and hang out with her. And, um, you know, I had just kind of moved into my new place, but not really because not all my furniture is here. So it was like half moved in. And, you know, I've been like deep into the Johnny Depp trial. And I said, like, let's hang out. But like, I just, I'm not going to be very, uh, fr- like, I- I'm not going to do anything. I'll be staring at a computer, recording things. Mm-hmm. And, re- and she's like, let's just, we can just eat and hang out and we can watch the trial. I'm like, perfect. Sounds great. 
And so, and there's nothing else in my house, and which I should apologize for, but there's nothing else to really entertain her except just me sitting there recapping a trial. And so she comes and then she's like, has her lunch. I'm like, perfect. She's entertained. She's eating. And then I guess she got a little sleepy because, you know, we love, she likes, she likes her sleep. And so then she passes out on the couch, but then starts snoring. So then I can't so really, <laughs> she can't, I can't really record the, the you know, because I have to like record my computer. So but there's embarrassing. Everything I'm recording has a snore in the background. So I'm like, all right, well, we're just going to use text today. It's fine. I love, this is my friend. She's tired. I'm a snorer. I get it. You can't help yourself. Right. So then, then she's like, oh, man, I got to pee. So she, like, goes to the bathroom, like, maybe I can get some, like. <laughs> Gigi, you're ruining my life. <laughs> so she's like, got to go pee. But I don't have, like, a huge toilet. It's just, like, you know, one of those, like, very, like, low flow toilets. But I think she uses a lot of toilet paper because we know her pillow game is probably, like, her toilet paper game. She's probably, like, all the toilet paper in the world. And so then it clogged the toilet, which is fine because I have another toilet. What I didn't didn't have was a plunger. So I had to, like, get a plunger from Target. And it was fine. It was just pee, guys. Just peeing lots of toilet paper was fine. And then she went home. (laughs) Oh my God. This is, uh, this episode is not my best. Um, This episode truly, um, it's not my best. I just want to say that this is the first time we've solicited apologies from each other. And I do will never apologize to you for that. (laughs) You will never I will never say it. It doesn't matter how much you ask me. I will never apologize for this. That's fine. Because like I said, family doesn't need to apologize. That's right. That's right, Kiki. Also, one more faux pas. I told her that I was bringing champagne and then I forgot it. Oh, yeah. I, I could have just said that part. I could have just said that part, but I decided I decided to go with all the other parts. That's okay. I, I feel I, I live in honesty and I live in truth and radical truth and honesty. And this feels like, um, honestly, payback. Nope, no payback. But yeah, you will. You will probably you will destroy me one day. And I know it. Yeah. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for I'm it. I'm ready. That is that is incredible. I love that so much. Uh, well, uh, what about you, Mo? I, <laughs> what have you got to I don't, say? I don't know how to follow up with this. Well, I'll say this: I, I, uh, I'm obviously demanding an apology, and uh, not for me, but for the whole nation. Oh, I love that. And for us too. But I have been sent this uh, this post that was posted on Instagram by. Uh, no one but the infamous TSA. Uh, the TSA posted on their Instagram a picture of a couple who were going on vacation, and they are at Reno, Nevada's uh, airport. And after they passed the security check, while they were both not wearing their shoes and just like fucking like you know like traveling clothes and everything, the man goes on one knee and proposes. Oh God! At the TSA security check line oh no first of all you're going on vacation could you not have waited yeah i'm imagining it like a tropical vacation it's florida <laughs> i don't care there's a beach there's sunset there's a restaurant that you can go to you decided to propose at the most disgusting place at the airport the security oh. check line 
an emotionally depraved area. Um, And obviously you're going to ask, you know, the question, are they? Yes, they are. Of course. (laughs) Of course they are. What what, I mean, what do you, what do you even think? Like uh, someone like me would not like, imagine me, uh, Mohammed al-Sheikhi just being like, you know what? I'm going to do this at a TSA. Like yeah. at the TSA, I'm paying full attention. I'm not gonna take a knee at the TSA. I'm not even You're like, gonna tackled. tie my shoes yeah. at the TSA. <laughs> you are getting tackled and arrested. Yeah. I'm just hoping mm-hmm. that I just pass by. Yeah. Thank God now I travel with my ID, which is like a less of a hassle. You know, I have my driver's license. I travel with it. But uh, uh, before I got my ID, I used to use to travel my use my Libyan passport, and my Libyan passport mostly was. Uh, it's mostly written in Arabic, except the like last pages. That's where the translation is. So you're supposed to go there and like read it, and you'll find the information that you need. And I give my, um, I give the TSA agents my my passport, and this is in Montana, a state in in the United States, one of one of them, one of the fifty. And I'm traveling, and I give them my passport, and the TSA agent looks at it, and he spends so much time. He spends so much fucking time looking at that passport, <laughs> just going through the pages. And then I am just like, hey, man, let, let me help you. And he's like, no, 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 no. I know my job. Don't stop talking. I got this. And then he calls another TSA agent, who I assume no. the TSA manager. And no. he comes in, and they're both looking at the passport, and I'm just trying to tell them what's happening. Two things happening here. First of all, they're holding the passport upside down, which is... <laughs> I'm like, and even if they flip it, it's still Arabic. It's not going to change. It's not going to translate once you change the uh, position of that passport. And I'm just trying to tell them, just go to the last page. That's where, the, that's where my name is written in the language here. As my, like, you cannot, you cannot look at Arabic for so long that you will start to understand what's, what's happening. Right. And then eventually I just say, look at the last page. Just look, open the final page. You say it real they, quick before they yeah. shut you and then they do, and then they're like, oh, look at this. It was right there. No, <laughs> the you spent 20 minutes. It's been 20 minutes. I have this passport my whole life, let me tell you. And then they were like, okay, sounds good. You can go. Uh, enjoy your trip. You ruined it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, those couple chose that they want to uh, tie the knot there. Get engaged. Can exactly. you imagine loving someone so much that you cannot wait one more second to ask them to marry you. That's a really positive way to look at it. I mean... I can imagine hating someone so much that you would do this to them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I thought there was nothing worse than like a Jumbotron proposal, but this definitely... Yeah, TSC takes it. TSA takes it. And like, you just like, it, it feels like a hostage situation because you are in TSA. You can't really act up too much so like mm-hmm. it feels like you're gonna say yes and just keep it moving right you know exactly. honestly if i was her years from now when this is not does does not work for obvious reasons <laughs> i'd wait i'd wait until like we are like at like laguardia airport and just serve him <laughs> divorce papers there that's good yeah it I'll, definitely has to be laguardia definitely I'm, exactly i mean i can't think of a worse airport so it has to be it has to or be that to really really seal the deal ma- just make it penn station like not even take a plane let's oh just my God. do it oh and hell pure hell exactly absolutely but that's that's who i'm demanding an apology from uh 
Yeah, and so this is this is this is sorry not sorry, but last week uh, you know we we announced that we're going to start like featuring uh, sorry not sorry from from you our listeners on this show which we host. So we start asking people and we said, hey, uh, you can email us at uh, I'm sorry at laminatamedia dot com or you can DM us on Instagram. And this week we did get an email that was very interesting that. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to read for us. Oh, first of all, who sent us the email? Um, so Geneva sent us the email. Thank you, Geneva, okay. for writing in. And she's got a really interesting situation going on. So she says her first quote is, I refuse to apologize to Santa. So she is refusing an apology, essentially. Um, and I'll tell you why. So she said, or rather to the families who are offended that I will not perpetuate the Santa lie to my young kids. Uh, she says that she, you know, that others consider it cruel to rob her intelligent three and five year old daughters of the Santa experience, that it's somehow mean to refuse to pretend that a mysterious voyeuristic judgmental criminal trespasser somehow brings individualized toys to every single Christian only, plus the non-believers who do it for fun. So to her, essentially, she's saying that um, it is problematic uh, and, and that more problematic than people are willing to admit to let your kids believe in Santa, uh, who's been around and doing the job since I guess everyone's grandparents were around. So essentially she's, she just doesn't, uh, she wants to say, fuck everybody who believes that she's a bad mom for not wanting to perpetuate the Santa lie. Um, so thank you, Geneva. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, Geneva's quandary, on Geneva's writing? I think it is, a, I mean, look, it's, it is a weird thing when you have to learn that your parents are liars, the first, the first like really important people in your life. And like everything they've ever told you from the time you were born was a lie. It's kind of, it is, it is like a, a gut. I remember how gut wrenching it was the first, when I found out. I feel like my mom lied to me about all sorts of things all the time. <laughs> big, big liar, big, big liar. Um, <laughs> just like Santa what? Claus just felt like one more thing in the bucket that I wasn't told about. There was a lot of like, um, I remember this lie. <laughs> one is sex will kill you. That was a fun one. Uh, drugs will kill you. That was another one. There was definitely um, virgins can't put tampons in. There was a lot of, oh, yeah, there was a lot of Catholic lies that have gone around in my family. And so Santa not existing, I was like, well, this feels easy. This feels like... <laughs> Not as complex as all the other ones that they're throwing at me. That feels um, like your memoir. All the Catholic <laughs> lies my mama told me. Right, right, right. right, right. I, I'd read it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other lies. There were white lies. There were big lies. But I think those were the ones that stuck around the longest. <laughs> I'm just, I think what's so funny is like the strong emotions towards Santa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's just, a, I mean, he's not real. Uh, I yeah. feel like well, I'm an American, so you better not touch my Christmas or my Santa, okay? Oh, make that a white Santa, white Santa. <laughs> Don't you come near my Christmas time? Like, he, he, okay, here's the thing. How about instead of being like Santa does not exist and Santa is not real and fuck Santa, uh, you could tell your kids that you are Santa. Mm-hmm. I like that. And not only do you bring them gifts, you also bring gifts to everyone else. And you raise and, your profile. Yeah. Right. Uh, right, right. Yeah. We can finally have the uh, <laughs> first woman president. 
that way because in a in a way santa is the president you know like he's yeah he's, he, he definitely for sure. he he definitely has more power than joe biden i'll tell you that much yeah but, agreed. yeah so, with a wildly better approval rating for sure exactly because he's not the president of america he's the president of the globe he controls everything yeah and then years from now, when they're older and they're like, Mom, you're not sent. And you're like, well, I retired now, obviously. And you keep the lie going forever. Yeah. And if you don't want to believe that I'm sent, pay me back for every gift that I gave you. And you know what, Mo? I do think that if you did have kids, um, I think that you would, I mean, according to your own words, you would not be able to perpetuate the Santa lie because you would stress out about it a lot. Um is that? Do you think that that's accurate? Oh, I, I grew up in a Muslim family. Uh, Santa was not part of <laughs> our. I mean, it's something that I watched and I was like, cool. I guess when I was a kid, I was like, I guess he's real. Did you have any version of that growing up? Like any version of Santa or some like, like I mean, I guess religiously affiliated, but this is a little. This Santa feels different, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Santa believe Santa is 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 not. To me, is not a religious figure. If anything, Santa is 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 you know really believes in socialism. <laughs> mm. I like. He's all about sharing, mm-hmm. and you know what? He's he's all about sharing, and he's mm-hmm. all about you know taxing the rich. Uh, he's mm-hmm. like he's like they're bad. I'm just gonna give them coal, which is you know I feel like the coal part is also something he needs to work on because I'm like yeah technically. Rich people fucking love coal. That's their whole thing. That's how they make money. So uh, maybe like replace it with something else. I don't know. Biodegradable wood. So you think Santa is pro-union socialist? Absolutely. I Um, mean, the the elves are like unionized. They have like their union. Uh, oh for sure you know it's more of a board than anything really like they can mm-hmm. vote santa out if they if they want to they just choose it's not, not to doing it for them because they love the job they love the work we all we all know it like we've never heard the elves like complain um you know i i think i think i think santa is the is the good version of amazon wow mm. you know like everyone is happy mm-hmm. there you can, you, you can pee as much as you want to it's great i do love that idea yeah well, thank you, Geneva, for writing in. Um, I believe that uh, you are well-merited. You don't have to pretend that Santa exists for your children. But maybe you do want to give them another socialist icon. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. The show is produced by Alex McCohen. Supervising producer is Chrissy Pease. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair, and always say I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. 'm Erin Gibson and I'm homosexual Brian Safi and we're the co-hosts of the attitudes podcast where we talk about LGBT plus issues gender issues and pop culture probably with much less respect than they deserve. 
Look, it's a wild world, and we want to help you laugh at it. Plus, we discuss everything going on in our lives. Like, what do you do when your husband accidentally starts a fire in a dumpster? And the best armpit slapping techniques to get rid of the bags under your eyes. Thanks for the advice, Mom. And of course, how to spin a wig around to achieve a brand new look. Ah, uh, stunning. So if you're a fan of high heel shoe chairs or have a crippling fear of hot air balloons, but also believe in social justice, then this show's for you. Listen to Attitudes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey friends, it's Megan Trainer And her big bro, Ryan Trainer And her husband, Daryl Sabara. Each week on our podcast, Working On It, we share behind-the-scenes stories and bring you into our hilarious and heartfelt conversations, and sometimes with amazing guests. We tackle everything from navigating Hollywood to mental health to Megan becoming a mother, Daryl becoming a father, and so much more. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of our lives and leave no detail behind. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. Listen to new episodes out every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts.